Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, our guests are Mike Elliott from Woodwork and Weld and Scott Orm from Dad It Yourself, and they tell us all about their Maker Collab project, The Wheel from The Price is Right. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, guys. What it do? What's up? All right, before we start of what we've been up to, I just have to acknowledge the fact that we have had more comments I hit on, a horse with my truck. <laughs> that song, the Patreon folks got the full music and were in me music singing the whole nine yards of that song. And we have had by far more comments on Patreon than anything else. So congratulations on winning um, the Patreon Music Awards. Thank you. Thank Dean. You. That was it, a beautiful job. And it's so interesting because it's only like maybe like 60%. If I would have realized, you know, I didn't record the song with the intention of us putting it on Patreon. It just came up because I hadn't done shit else the last week. Um, so <laughs> I am working on another song this week about a car that ran into the back of a school bus. Oh, and um, it's it's going to be to a Billy Joel tune. So for those that didn't like country, I'll give them a different different sound and when we get that one done you know we'll listen to it and decide if it's worthy of patreon release patreon yeah, records good. it's there so funny go. because this week i was just listening like uh my device in the shop was just playing random music i told it to just play random music and that song popped on and i was like oh this is a dean song but not like this is the <laughs> real song or whatever my uh sister sent me a video of the girls in the car and the laney wilson song was on and I was like, that's not the words. It's supposed to be hit my horse. Because I sent it to her to like, am I going to make an idiot of myself if I post this? Because again, I didn't, I like to sing, but I did not feel very confident in that rendition. Um, it was just, it was a hard song for me to sing. It was forced because I thought the Lainey Wilson song just catered. I mean, the lyrics wrote yeah. themselves basically. Yeah. Well, you did a really, really good job at the end in particular. You hit that exit. So really it's nicely. so funny because the the what you want to do is soar, you know, you want to hit your Celine right. and go up, but whore, 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 words like that, whore, they uh they don't they don't lend themselves to a soaring note, uh, right? You know, true. Very good. All right. Well, now so moving change on. The horsey. Yeah, and it wasn't whore. It was a truck. No, I hit my whore. I hit a horse. Yeah, with my truck. Yeah. Horse yeah. just isn't a word that likes to extend itself. It doesn't end in the right. Like uh, a totally different song if one of the Kennedys wrote it. All right. So what have we been be up to, guys? I ran yeah. a horn to the water and she drowned <laughs> in my car. And I was still elected senator. <laughs> Do some history lessons, guys. You want to write songs, you gotta know your history. There we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> One of you, please save us. What have you been up to this week? I went back to Louisiana and hopped in the boat for Mother's Day. We went on a bayou cruise, and uh, it's so nice. You, you go home and stuff like that, you hit all the highs. And, man, I would love to have a camp on the bayou and do stuff like that all the time. But did that over the week. And then as far as you know, makery kind of stuff, uh, my buddy Clayton has a big chair resto project going on. These chairs need to be stripped down and refinished and he was just struggling with the sanding part of it and so i was like you know what i got this festool let's make it happen and i went over there i just bought a foam pad for the festool to make it make it kind of more like the surf prep where you can handle the and that pad and my sander did not like each other at all so oh. i think the pads made maybe more for the rotex uh i would brought the ets I, i've got a few different ones but 
I brought the ETS and it just did not like the pad. So I ended up basically hand sanding with Oof. the foam pad and some 220. But it was a good time. We just put some music on and talked and uh, just, you know, be in a big workshop like that's nice. It's different cool. for me. I'm used to like sidestepping and squirming between stuff. I'm still working on Caitlin's table. I, I made the relief cuts in it. I haven't done more with it because I want to just get a real solid game plan before I run at it again and try to rectify that situation. But that's been about it. Oh, you know what else I did? Um, Emmett made me a pen uh, last year. He brought it to High Caliber Camp. It was extremely thoughtful. The pen is made from uh, epoxy, uh, purple epoxy and yellow plastic. That is seats from the old seats from Tiger Stadium where LSU plays. And they oh. shred the seats, mix it with a purple epoxy, and it's a purple and gold blank. And he turned this pen. And so I, uh, the pin broke, <laughs> the clicker broke, not his fault, nothing he did. It was the pin kit itself. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put a new pin kit in this. Well, I couldn't get the damn back end off. So I had to deconstruct the entire pin. And I was like, well, while it's apart, honestly, I always felt it was a little thick for my hands. I wish it was a little thinner. So I hmm. put it back together, put it on the lathe and I was going to turn it down and it blew apart. Oh, uh, and so, no. And so I found all the pieces and I glued that sucker back together and just sand glue sand glue sand glue sand glue and it it came out i don't think you can tell if if i didn't tell you oh, that good. this pin was broken you can't tell uh i got it back together the funny thing is it's back to about the original size i have so much glue on it now but, <laughs> um, uh i put i had a it's the gatsby that's he knew that that that's my favorite pin kit from rockler or wherever uh it's the uh, the gatsby clicker pin and so I, I had a few extra kits. So I just put it back together and I've got some uh, Schmidt cartridges that are red and it's just really nice. It's not like, um, you know, you get a red ink pen. It's got like that certain teacher correction red kind yes. of to it. This oh, is yeah. this uh, Schmidt refill uh, red and it is uh, like a, almost like a maroon hue Ooh, to it. It's a really blood. rich looking color. Yes. Like and, a crimson. and I love it. Mm. I love writing in red at work. So I've got that put all back together in back of the office. I need to figure out which inserts go in the, the Austin pins, the high caliber craftsman pins. Cause I have two of those. So I want to switch one of those to red as well. Nice. Yeah. Any ballpoint, like a uh, cross ballpoint style cross ballpoint. Okay. Yep. All right. Austin, what have you been up to? Um, just mainly just making tons of videos. Um, uh, doing content, making pens. I am like super all over the place. Uh, installed the pool, got that completely full. Oh yeah, that yeah. looks nice. The boys have been swimming in it every night, even though it's like 68 oh, degrees gosh. here. They're just yeah. going like, they'll, they can make it about eight minutes, which is <laughs> a really long time if you ask me. Uh, yeah. for, that, for that cold, like their lips are totally blue. They're like, we're fine. And I'm like, your, your chat, your, your jaw's chattering and your lips are blue. I think it's time to get out. And, uh, and <laughs> so Camden, my wife was super happy with the way that I said this, he was talking about, he's like, Oh, I started cause he's, it's a ladder. Right. So you like step over mm -hmm. the edge and then you walked and he's walking down the ladder. Ben just flies off the top. Cause he says, I jump in like a man. That's what he says to Camden. <laughs> and Camden's like, well, I just try to ease it in. But then when I get to a certain depth, it's really hard to go any further. I said, buddy, you're going to learn this, that once you, once that cold water hits your, 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 your bean bag there, you, 
it's all you got to jump from there on like you can't just ease in past the beanbag and my wife was so unhappy with me using that terminology (laughs) she's like they're gonna go say that at school and i'm like that is like the most pg that was actually pretty innocent i think exactly compared to you in general yeah it looks so good the pool looks so good it was hilarious i wrote you how much did it cost because i'm like man i need one of those i definitely don't need a pool that size in my backyard but you did an awesome job setting it up. It looks nice. Leveled. Yeah, it looks good. Like it's going to last for a few years. Yeah, it's a for it being cheap, you know, cheap pool. It's it's uh, it's it's pretty decent, really. But what about chlorine and maintenance and pumps? And it's got all that stuff, man. I, I spent an hour today vacuuming. And so, so oh. it it's uh, because I set it up before we even had all the filters and everything. I was like, I was just because I, I thought it was going to take days and days to fill. But um, my dad ended up running his hose like we bought an extra hundred foot of hose. So he ran it all the way from his house to my house. And then I had two hoses in it. And so it only took like a day to Are fill it completely. Are you well water or city water? Yeah. I was just going to Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, and that was tricky because where it was softeners, if you, mine's a dual tank. So it, like one tank uses it to clean the other tank and then it swaps back and forth. And so I had to kill my water every time the softener turned on mm-hmm. otherwise it would just keep going because we were using so many gallons it mm-hmm. would just jump back and forth on dirty tanks and dump all the iron into it so i'd have an orange pool oh. so that's what that's what took so long is that i had to constantly shut every time it went to cycle i had to shut it off for an hour and then you know then restart but so today i got this kit that they sell it's like a brush a vacuum and it has like a float like a side mount skimmer so like a in-ground pool has, but it's like it, it just bolts on the side or you know, wing nuts on the side. And it's all like super ghetto. Like I'm like, this is like the cheapest crap, but it works. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Oh, and they oh, already yeah. they're like, like, what do you guys want to do today? They're like, pool. I'm like, okay, what do you want to do after eight minutes? What are we gonna do after that? Because <laughs> that's all you're gonna get back in the pool. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see. They've they've been getting a kick out of it. So I have not been in. I've only my arms have been in with the vacuum and stuff, and I'm like, it is rigid, <laughs> rigid. Yep. What about you, Chrissy? What have you been up to? Um, well, I I uh, went to the oral surgeon, had a tooth pulled. That was probably yes. about the least fun of my uh, experience of this past week. But I mean, everything went well, so thankfully that was nice. Uh, had a relatively quiet but enjoyable Mother's Day weekend. And um, we Saturday, we actually were doing we're still trying to get the yard put back together after all the construction. So, you know, the area that the trench from all of the electrical and all that kind of stuff. Right. um, Got some dirt hauled in. Marvin got the tractor and got that all put together. And, you know, so now it's seeding and hoping it rains correctly because thankfully we didn't put seed down on Saturday because I mean, we had a flood of, uh, it just rained so heavy, so much. I guess I was actually on Sunday when it rained so hard. Um, so some of the dirt that we had brought in is now on our back deck as opposed to our yard. Um, but that's just kind of all part of the process but uh but yeah it was a good weekend i actually got back into the shop i got a little more kind of organizing and sorting and um kind of went over i'm still working on the coffee table for my daughter and i'm like okay this is 
got myself kind of back in my mind as far as next step and stuff like that. So hopefully over the next couple of weekends, be able to put a little time into that. I've got a lot of other things on my plate right now, but um, I'm hoping I should be able to get a little more shop time in the, in the next couple of weekends. Anyway, we shall see. That's cool. When, when does that do? The coffee table. Yeah. I'm hoping to take it to her around the 20th of June or 24th of June, whatever weekend that is. So um, I'm still trying to decide on the lid on the top. Um, I'm contemplating whether go with the hinges that I thought that I had originally planned. And then as the lid opens and then they lean up against the sides. But if someone's sitting on that side, putting a puzzle together, which would be the most likely place they'd be, then they've got that door, you know, kind of bumping up against them right there. Um, so I also contemplated just pick up and take off lids rather than the hinges. Um, sure. So I'm kind of on the fence a little bit about that. But uh, but yeah, so I, I'm I do really enjoy working on that project. I I'm going to be really happy how it turns out. But, uh, you know, just finding the balance of that, adding the time finding the time to to get out there and do it before we jump into the interview with our with mike and scott i kind of wanted to just run by y'all what you think i got a product sponsor kind of thing you know nothing fancy um a cutter company slice they make the ceramic cutters uh, they oh nice they sent me a box of five of them and just in exchange for a post but they said if i would do a a short video, not a YouTube, just like a, a reel or whatever, and show myself going into Walmart to buy them and then kind of using them at home that they'd pay me 50 bucks. Hey, score. So, I mean, you think I should do that? Or am I selling out to the man? Well, I am the wrong person to ask because I am out there selling ass. Uh <laughs> Any, Anybody that says it's the wrong thing to accept money for something you're going to use anyway or do anyway. And that's what's crazy. Like, I, I mean, why would you these. not? I've thought yeah. about buying them before, but I thought they were just overpriced. And I have a, you can buy a case of box cutters, but these things, um, I don't know. They're really neat. They came in, they're the smallest ones they make. Um, and they've got like just a little bitty tip that comes out. It's made for opening the mail and packages and stuff, mm -hmm. but they're magnetic. So you can stick them on the fridge. Oh. They sent me five. Oh, of them. nice. So I'm, I was kind of excited. I was surprised. Like I just got a random, like, would you be interested or we're taking yeah. applications and I'm sure they pick, you know, a thousand people or whatever. But, um, I think, uh, I don't really go to Walmart. Um, but I think I might make an exception. Yeah. Just make sure you get your calves in the shot. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Been doing them calf raises. Got me some five inch inseam shorts today. Maybe I'll <laughs> even cuff them up one. That I'm is a, yeah. A yes. Great. Great thing to think about a 41 year old man's thighs and calves i'm a so let me put this out there in the ether too just to hold me accountable i'm gonna sign up for a 5k uh, <gasps> in august so it's may 18th so three months from now may june july august yep three months from now i'm gonna sign up for a 5k so i have to start getting in jogging shape i know it's not a marathon but i don't go 10,000 steps a day much less 5,000. you know running so we'll see where geographically in houston yeah just north of houston um at one of the parks it's called the chupacabra so i did it in 2017 it's a night race if you've been following me for a while it was the one that i did stories of 
me lost with my headlamp saying I was going to have to drink my urine because I was lost in the woods. <laughs> and so this time I might get a cameraman to follow me around and do updates the whole race. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You should just get one of those, uh, like the selfie stick that comes out of the middle of your chest and just films. The <laughs> oh, whole that'd be time cool. Facing. Yeah. I get yeah. one of those 360 cameras and just like mount it on top of my head where it's the one where it makes those your face look weird. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Those are weird. So. Uh, I just want to put it out in the ether so that uh, now I have to be committed. There you go. Good job. I feel like a night race would be the, oh, the ticket. God. Yeah, well, it's not as hot. Not as hot. It's just interesting, yeah. something different, something going on. Tonight, our guests on the podcast are Scott and Mike. Mike Elliott from Woodwork and Well, and Scott Orm from Dad It Yourself. How's it going, gentlemen? Good. How are you? Doing I'm good. Great. Good. Mike, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and what it is that you do? I am a technology project manager by day and a maker by night. I'm a dad of two boys, 11 and 14. And I have a very supportive wife who um, tolerates my tool habits. Oh, <laughs> I bet. I've seen the latest tool you just picked up. And um, I'm thinking about getting a new wife so I can get one of those. <laughs> Those are those are definitely worth uh, investing in. It's an impressive tool, Phantom CNC. Um, I also do uh, do TIG welding, and then I've grown up woodworking pretty much my whole life, and learned most of uh, most of that from my from my dad. Cool, man. That's awesome. I know Austin just got a TIG welder, so I'm sure we'll talk about some of that at the end. Scott, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? So I am from beautiful Whidbey Island, Washington. I'm a Navy veteran with over 21 years of service. I'm a part-time handyman during the day and a maker at night like Mike. I what I do. Uh, I'm a tinkerer, fixer, more than a builder, I would like to say. Uh, I've come to a realization this year that I'm more of a hobbyist woodworker. I don't even remotely consider myself a professional woodworker at this point, especially after visiting Mike's house. And yeah. seeing the stuff that when I saw how many clamps he had, I was like, oh, this guy's a serious woodworker. He built his entire kitchen out of walnut. Um, and oh, just wow. about every piece of furniture in his house is is all handmade by him or his father. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in a world where we still had shop class in school. So I had woodworking and metal shop and electric shop and graphic arts and all those different shop classes as I was growing up. Uh, I find that a lot of kids nowadays are at a disadvantage for that and they don't get to learn those skills that, you know, those of us in the maker community uh, who grew up like that find it. Uh, well, yeah, they do. It's nature. just in the metaverse. Yeah. You know, they get to fish online and they build cabins online and they go mining, <laughs> Roblox, whatever all that's exactly. called. Guys, the reason we have both of you on together is you recently participated in the maker collab. And before we get to the item that you built, I would love to hear, how did you two connect? So we met at WorkbenchCon oh. last year and, uh, and there weren't a lot of people from Washington, at least that I, that I met, I think there were, I don't know, two or three people. And there's a lot more I've come to realize since, but, uh, but yeah, Scott was one of the, the first people I met. So we had connected the previous year and then I saw, you know, the maker collab come up. And so 
I, I reached out to, to a couple local people and, uh, and Scott was foolish enough to, uh, <laughs> accept. So we, we took it from there and, and we chatted about it and kind of planned, planned some of it out at this year's WorkbenchCon. So Scott, let's talk about the planning. Uh, the theme was TV. How did y'all kind of narrow down what that meant for your project? So we had kind of bounced some ideas back and forth, um, over social media, over DMs and stuff like that and talking on the phone. But really it was like, hey, let's sit down and you know just kind of hash this out while we're at WorkbenchCon this year. Um, so we went to dinner a couple of times, went to breakfast one morning. Those are write-offs, and, right? Uh, well, yeah, you know, yeah. doubt yourself money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my vast, fast piles of YouTube money. All right. <laughs> but um we we cashed over a couple of ideas, um, I, you know, and honestly, I can't even recall some of the things we thought about. But um, we had talked about the original, the Wheel of Fortune, sure, and other game shows, um, and it was kind of just trying to figure out what would pique people's interests and would be what I consider instantly recognizable. Like you mm. see something, and you're like, yeah. That's from that TV show, you know, and the example that people kept giving me over the years is the leg lamp from Christmas story. Sure. You know, you see that, you know, exactly what that is. Instantly recognizable. Exactly. So that's kind of what we were, we were thinking about. And we, we really wanted to go big or go home kind of, kind of (laughs) deal for this one. The, uh, the funny part about it was, uh, we kind of decided what our idea was. And so we went up in, uh, up into the main area where no one is at night. Everybody's at the bar at night. So we went up to the main area and uh, Jay-Z was there with us. Okay. She, uh, she helped us film our introduction video, um, which is where we kind of announced what our theme was going to be. And then we just, we, you know, we post it out, throw it out onto the, onto the interwebs and we went down to the bar and instantly another team like beeline straight to us. And they were like, that was our idea. Well, news you lose. So that's a neat uh, tip. You know, a lot of people hold things close to the chest, but getting it out there early may have discouraged other teams from uh, coming after you guys. It was weird because like even towards like, and Mike and I talked about this the other day, is that when they started posting the projects on Judging Day, there were whole teams that we never heard of the whole competition. Like they weren't using the hashtag. They weren't public. They were holding that stuff that close. Like it was some kind of weird secret. So, but I think by us getting it out there, um, we staked our claim. You gentlemen definitely had one of the more impressive ones. Uh, There were a lot of really good ones. Uh, That's what these competitions draw. And y'all's was definitely at the top of that list. Mike, whenever this all got talked about, did you have the Phantom CNC yet? I, yeah, I had the Phantom CNC and I was, I was thinking, you know, I had made cabinets and, you know, some smaller type of things. And so I was like, what, what will, will challenge this CNC? Like I hadn't done anything big before. And so this was a fun one, but initially I was thinking about the frame, you know, as a TIG welding project, but as we got into the, the details of that and thinking about the weight and everything and moving it around and, you know, basically just the logistics, it would have been a nightmare, you know? And then of course, everything with heat and movement and balancing it realized pretty quickly that that, that wasn't going to work, but the CNC is just so accurate and, 
and precise that it, it made for the perfect tool for it. I was curious, did you scale the wheel based off of the CNC's capacities or was this to spec as the price is right wheel looks? It was a little bit of both. We wanted to build it, you know, real sized, but we also had the limitations of um, cheap goods, right? We wanted we wanted something <laughs> looking at the, the price of, of plywood and everything. So we ended up using subfloor just because it was it was the most cost effective thing and uh, and readily available. And then, um, yeah, and just pushing it kind of, you know, it was 46 inches in, uh, you know, for each sheet. And so that that made it just about right because the what we call the tombstones the pieces on the side uh-huh i think those are are like 98 inches so we were you know pushing the height of the of four by eight sheets i'm always curious on projects like this where two makers are working independently of one another how much consideration went into limitations of your machinery of your workspaces on something of this scope did you plan this all the way out and know that okay if if the wheels this big, then the numbers are this big and the lights are this big and the side panels are this big and make sure that you had those capacities or did you run into some areas where you had to get creative? Well, we, we, where we found we had to get creative was in just putting things together. Like it would, I couldn't, even after it was on the stand, we couldn't roll it out of the garage. Um, we had to take the top half of the wheel off every time, which was a pain in the neck. And so, you know, and then when you put, when you put those, uh, the pie pieces on the side, you know, and you have to have a way like, what is it? Eight of them are, are screwed in so that you could take them off, reach in and have, you know, something to grab, grab onto when you move it. Oh. And so there was a lot of things like that, that you, that you really had to think through for, uh, you know, just maintenance that later. We're, we're really fortunate that the the planning engineering that went into that to think about those things, those openings in the side of the skeleton, so that we could reach the the bolts that held the two halves together. How we were going to attach the pie pieces, which are those segments on the sides, um, were were key to making this thing somewhat movable and uh, accessible. Because it's, I mean we use like 20 sheets of three-quarter OSB. So you can wow. imagine how heavy that is. Each half is like four sheets of plywood all by itself. And yeah. then, um, so once Mike had the the um, structure built in, in the, what did I say, the digital workup, we were sure. starting to then at that point get some of our basic dimensions. We knew that, you know, the, the face squares were going to be 24 inches wide by 14 inches tall and, and such like that. And what the angles were all going to be. Um, and at that point, then I could start scaling all my work and cutting those letters out to what that size was. And I'm, you know, and we're both of us were prototyping at the same time. Sure. You know, like even, you know, we talked about using subfloor. Um, we had a zoom meeting, like, and we were just going through prices of different products and deciding if it was going to be half inch or three quarter and what product. And then Mike had to go get a sheet of OSB that was technically going to be considered a consumable 
and just see if we could cut it reasonably on the CNC without it just shredding. Sure. So, and on my side, well, as I was building all the numbers and stuff, I was, you know, three, four, five different types of materials, EVA foam, white foam board, black foam board, cardboard, wood, you know, till we found something that was efficient, affordable. Scott, why don't we talk about your part a little bit, and then we'll come back to the overall structure in that way. You know, we build it from the ground up. You just rattled off a whole list of materials. I'm interested. <laughs> how did you find what font you wanted to use? And then how did you decide what materials were going to you were going to use? And what were the considerations around that as far as easy to paint or lightweight or affordable? I'd love to hear that that story. So initially, and this is this may shock you, but there's an entire community of fandom for the Price is Right TV show. There are online forums and websites and everything where you can go through the history of the show and they have whole threads just about the big wheel. I mean, Mike and I have seen photos of what it looks like on the backside, on the actual TV show, on how they built it and how they constructed it. And then there's timelines about all the different fonts that were used over the years and what year they changed the fonts and the colors, all this yeah. other crazy stuff. Um, and initially, I was able to just download all the JPEGs of all the different numbers and letters. And I was trying to use my, uh, to use SketchUp and Inkscape and different programs like that to trace those graphics. And I just wasn't getting the results. Um, after a little bit of research, I was actually able to download the, the what they call the Price is Right font. Okay, I and was then, wondering if that yeah, was a there thing. Is a, there is a Price is Right that font makes out there. It's not exact to, and, and that's the other thing. You're, you know, you're talking about a, a point in space. That wheel mm -hmm. has been changed six to eight times over the 50-year life of the show. So, yeah. you know, I picked a font that I had ex accessibility to. And um, was able to bring that into uh, Cricut Design Space and scale those letters and, and create all the um, the stuff for my laser and light burn to cut those. And then at the same time, use those same numbers after I'd done it and import those into Design Space for Cricut so I could scale those and warp those and make the uh, vinyls for the side. So when you've got all of the pieces that you're cutting did you have did you guys between the two of you have everything cut and then started assembling it together or was it like okay we're going to just do the main body put it together make sure everything lines out and then go to the next step so or were you guys like working simultaneously I, on I would everything say we were working simultaneously um right as mike was cutting out the skeleton and doing his initial glue up, I went on vacation. <laughs> and then when I got back from the vacation, Mexico vacation, yes, I went on the, they went to Mexico. Well, the, I got back on Sunday or Saturday. Then Mike went on vacation. Mike, <laughs> I got to ask you a question. Watching Scott's reels while he was in Mexico, were you worried that he was going to make it back? Because he was kind of out there, man. I thought he was going to get picked up by the, the Mexican police or, or, you know, I don't know. He was kind of out there. He was enjoying himself. Yeah. I, I was a little stressed about the, the timeline at that point because we <laughs> both had a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. So, and it was like the one weekend I got back and he was back. We were like, okay, are we getting together this weekend? 
And I was just at the end of my prototyping phase. And I'm like, if I come down today, the only thing I could really help you with is the glue up. Mm. And come to find out that we probably maybe should have made that trip. So Mike had an extra set of hands for that glue up. Um, but we ended up pushing it to the following weekend where we brought our products together. So he had done okay. all his work. I had done all my work. And then we spent those two days doing the assembly portion. But he's got a great story about that glue up. <laughs> yeah, in that process. So I, I'm doing all this by myself, right? And these are huge components to be maneuvering around the, the shop and, you know, not having a lot of space uh, to, to do that other than the CNC area, which, which is a nice w- workspace. But uh, so, glue, you know, I've done plenty of cabinet glue ups and those are, those are kind of stressful as it is, um, you know, just with the timing and how quickly glue dries and whatnot. And so I'm pulling all these things together and, you know, I, I get everything glued up, but I'm finding that some of it's a little bit tight in the, uh, you know, where, where I'm pulling it together and then also just getting everything aligned, you know, as mm-hmm. you start tightening down on things, you know, other pieces shift. And so, so I'm fighting the clock with that. And so I get everything done. I, uh, you know, I, I pull these pieces over across the shop, you know, using, uh, using like my workbench. My rolling workbench as a method to get it across the shop and finagle it and balance it and do all this stuff. And then, uh, and then I put the other, other wheel half on. Uh, so it, it's sitting there in the shop and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this isn't right. It's not aligning. And so it had shifted enough where it was like, it was clocked. And so I'm looking at it thinking, what the heck am I going to do here? Cause, uh, you know, I, I put clamps on it and tried to pull it pull it in line and it just wasn't working. And so basically at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm calling in a Hail Mary to my dad to come out here and help me. Cause it's one of those things that you really need an extra set of hands to glue up and get all the measurements and everything. Right. And so he came out right before Scott did. And so we, we recut everything. And then, uh, you know, with two hands, it went much smoother. And so the, the key with it is really making measurement marks across mm. the entire thing to, and, and sticking to those marks, right? The two pieces that are like the, the center spine, um, they, they have to bolt together. And so they have to be exact, but they have to be exact on both sides, um, not only for the bolts to go through, but also to keep everything perfectly balanced when the thing spins Mm -hmm. and we nailed it the second time i mean the balance of that wheel is just incredible yeah it looks super smooth like a breeze going by it when we first got it on the stands it just spun all by itself perfectly balanced what mike you know mike said it was right before we're we're talking thursday night he was re-gluing up the wheel that we were going to assemble on saturday morning that's how close we were at that point. And this is now, meanwhile, you know, I say I have this assembly weekend. I'm leaving again on Wednesday to go <laughs> on another trip. And the competition ends that Saturday. So we had that weekend. That was it. So during this time, Mike, you're thinking about like that you should have picked a different teammate. 
<laughs> Maybe your dad would be a good choice. <laughs> at, at that point, I was like, because I heard, I think I ended up telling him a little bit later. Like he didn't know a lot of this stuff was going on. I'm, I'm trying to work through. I got to get my side done right because we were both working pretty independently. You know, other than talking through some of the steps and what we were going to bring together on that that weekend, and so, so yeah, it was uh, okay. I need to get my piece done. Um, he's coming in. We got to wrap this thing thing up, and it's got to be this weekend. Right. So let's. Talk, you mentioned briefly the stand. I want to bring you back to that. How did you uh, come up with the idea for the stand that's going to hold this thing? You know it. Or uh, it's got to hold a certain amount of weight. What what was your planning behind all that? It wasn't. Uh, I mean, I've I've done different, you know, workbenches, metal workbenches, and things like that. So that wasn't wasn't too hard to plan through. Um, one thing that uh, we, I measured wrong in one of the uh, where the two pieces come together to to hold the the um, the pillow block and the shaft. Uh, basically, we had some some issues there with uh, with the dimension, so it ended up with uh, you know out out in the lawn cutting off uh, cutting off a few sections to make it a little bit shorter. But uh, but otherwise, that process went pretty pretty smoothly. So what um, most people probably don't know what a pillow block is on this podcast. Uh, most people that listen to us are probably woodworkers or some other trade. Can you kind of describe what it is you made and and what you what materials you use? Yeah, so it was a a, a three quarter inch um, solid steel shaft that was like three feet long, and then um, pillow blocks or or bearings with uh, what would you say flanges on them? I guess where we could bolt through into the into the wheel, and so we we had CNC'd out um, you know the center hole on it, and then put the shaft through and then bolted the two uh, pillow blocks and basically two bolts on each side. And that's what held the, the mechanism together. And then I found another, um, basically it was an aluminum block with a three quarter inch hole in it. And that got bolted down to the stand. Um, but initially we had it sitting on two ladders in the, in the front yard, <laughs> which was a little bit precarious. Did any of your neighbors stop and be like, what in the world are you doing out oh, here? We, we, that was another, actually a challenge as we were building it because there were so many neighbors stopping by asking what, what it was and what we were doing that it was, uh, and we were in the tight timeline, of course, trying to get everything done. And so there were constant interruptions, even to the point where stopping traffic, like multiple cars piled up, you know, looking at it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a big distraction for the for the neighborhood. That's great. Do you have any idea how much the entire piece weighs? I think it's I think it's between five hundred and a thousand pounds. Mm, wow. <laughs> wow. It so takes either two or three ex girlfriends somewhere. Two two guys, two full size men can lift a half of the wheel barely. Like it's very awkward. It's bulky. It's heavy. It's about three, three and a half sheets of plywood. Um, yeah, with everything on it and the metal stand. That, in comparison, the entire setup that the Price Is Right uses is twenty five hundred pounds. Oh, but that's like 
it's made of like six inch square tube. It's on big casters, you know, so ours is really just the top half of what you see on TV. But yeah, I would easily say a thousand pounds without even thinking twice about it. So Scott, I want to ask you about the numbers themselves. Um, let's go in layer by layer. Can you break down the different layers that went into making the numbers? Because they're pretty dead on. They look like the price is right numbers. So like I said earlier, you know, once I got the font down, that was like, the, that was the probably one of the hardest parts was like, I got to find this font and I got to get that into a digital format. Once I could get into a digital format, it's then it was prototyping. And, and if you follow me on Instagram, there's a lot of different stories where I cut a piece out of cardboard and that was like, okay, I know I can do this now. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut the back out of quarter inch um, plywood. Okay. Mm. Well, I have a five watt laser. I don't have, you know, 150 watts or 75 watt. So for me to cut a quarter inch of plywood on a five watt laser is like 25 passes. Okay. Oh, wow. So yeah, it would have taken like 15 minutes for each. We'll call those the shields, the gold, uh, the, the gold part behind the, the trim. Nose, the yeah. Backing. The trim. Yeah. And it's 20 um, segments, right? There's uh 40, 40 separate numbers on the wheel. On the, ex on the face on the, of it? On the, on the face. Yeah. The three dimensional oh. numbers. And then and you originally got the I was, uh, so, um, so I'm like, okay, I can't cut this out of wood. But at the same time, I'm also prototyping the numbers because they're three-dimensional. And um, I tried the pink polyfoam or the pink insulation foam you get from Home Depot, the half-inch stuff. Mm -hmm. And that worked to a certain extent, but as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, if anybody's ever cut foam with a laser, it starts like pyramiding the sides because the focus gets further and further away from the initial point. How are there so, 40 numbers? Or did they repeat? There's 20 numbers and each have two digits except okay. for five and 100. Okay, I understand. Yeah. There's three. Okay, so yeah. that's how you were counting. Okay, I'm yes. like... Yes. Because each one had to be cut out individually. But your wheel was like in two and a half cent increments or something. <laughs> <laughs> so... um. I was able to cut it out of the pink foam, mm -hmm. but I didn't like the way it looked. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try EVA foam. It's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit denser. Uh, and I was able to make that work, but um, two things happened with that. Um, took very long time, slow. My feeds and speeds were very slow just to get that cut out in two or three passes. And then when I went to paint it, it's a sponge. So oh. it just, yeah, it was going to take like five to six coats of paint for each one. Mm. I'm like, okay. So then I had ordered some of the, uh, no, I'd gone to the, gone to Michael's and got the white three sixteenths inch foam because the numbers are white. I'm like, if I can just cut these out, I won't have to paint them or anything. Um, if you've ever tried to cut anything clear with a laser, it doesn't like that. Um, and especially a diode laser. So the white foam, while it has a paper coating on both sides, it's really a clear foam in side. So it, it wasn't cutting it. It just wasn't getting through it. It was burning it. And at one point it actually caught on fire because I kept slowing the laser down and it caught on fire. So I'm like, okay. So I took that back and I ordered some black poly foam 
Um, and I'm like, I'm going to try this and did it. And I ran a couple of numbers and it worked. Okay. That worked, but now I have to order more. So now here's two more days to get that Amazon order in. But once I had the materials, I had all the numbers ready to go. I was able to run everything in about two hours. And then my next challenge was break. Now I'm, this foam board is foam. It has a foam skin, a foam core. And if anybody's ever tried to spray paint foam, yeah. it melts. Yep. So now I'm back on the drawing board. I'm watching YouTube videos and learning how to paint foam with spray paint. Okay. Because rolling it with latex paint or brushing it was just going to take too long. Um, I'll get something in on you. So the propellant is what melts the foam, not the paint. Oh. So bring your spray can back 24 inches, spray it, let it just go down on it. Three quick coats, perfect coverage, no melting. Oh, huh. So that was once again, another, you know, what was a delay for me in the production. Once I solved that problem, then all the numbers got paid and it was quick, quick, quick. Cool. What'd you use for an adhesive to put them all together? Uh, Starbond thick. Okay. Do you, do you use a uh, discount code for that or a? I do. <laughs> it's a DIY dad 10. <laughs> so, and then what about the, um, you know, the green and the red, those were a little different. Did you just use a different paint or a different material um, to get those? So on the glitters, everything has a flat, um, like a just a candy apple red spray paint on the red numbers, uh, a metallic gold spray paint on the gold numbers, and a uh, like a Kelly green on the green numbers as the base coat, and then Rustoleum has a has a glitter red, a glitter yellow, and a glitter green that you can also buy and just and it's. It's crazy. Like it's literally like glitter. You would think uh, suspended in paint. So if you go into my garage, now, there's a giant square with no paint on it with gold glitter all around it. Mike, I want to talk a little bit more about the stand. Can you walk us through the process? Like from the ground level up, like how you supported it and things like that. Yeah. It had kind of a main, main beam across the bottom. And then, uh, we use casters on it to make it uh, easy to move around. And so I attached the casters using rib nuts. Uh, so that was, that was a good process to get everything uh, quick and easy. And then, yeah, they, the, the build was a little bit of a challenge because I was, uh, again, we, we were crunched for time and I was running out of uh, argon gas. And so, Right there towards the end, I was, uh, <laughs> it, it was a little bit uh, difficult to work with, but, uh, but we got it done. How did you find the rib nuts? Is it the first time you've used them or have you used them before? I've used them once before and uh, it just, you know, with the, so we, you don't have to uh, use a tap for everything and it just saves a ton of time. Um, but I ordered one of those kits off of Amazon and it's, it comes in handy quite a bit. That's cool. And then uh, what about, so, so this thing's super tall. What about some, you know, lateral supports? Cause this thing is going to want to rock and roll kind of move around. Yeah. We, we put diagonals uh, supports in, in it to, uh, to keep it from, you know, moving, moving at all. Um, 
laterally and uh, basically made um, two cross supports for that, for the, the lateral piece. Yeah, and then we bolted the aluminum blocks that hold the shaft. Those are, those are bolted into um, ports there. Cool. I wanted to jump into the lights now because that is a, that is a really nice touch as far as like really giving you that whole full effect of, you know, Bob saying, come on in and up and spin the wheel. So uh, what, what were the obstacles with that? Or, or what did you kind of learn as you go when you were adding those lights? So where what we were looking for is something off the shelf. Absolutely. That kind of had an air of what we could find on TV. And originally I had ordered some that had a larger clear globe, you know, to, that old incandescent circus light bulb, you would you think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And when I received them, it's, you know, you're, you're dealing with the, uh, the descriptions on Amazon, the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like, Oh, it said, and it, but it didn't, it did everything what I wanted to, what we needed was a chaser, you know, so that one didn't work. So I had to send that one back and I had to order more. Um, and I ordered two sets and because originally when we were talking, and this is the hard part about not being very close in my head, um, when we talk about the tombstones, those, the side mm-hmm. pieces, I thought we were only doing the big, large black ones and then oh. come to find out there's a, a small inner yellow, the larger black one, and then an outer yellow one. And the lights went on the yellow one. Well, I had only ordered one set of lights so we we're going to do 50 on one black tombstone and 50 on the other. And then talking to Mike and stuff. And we're like, oh, man, we need this. So like we literally so good. We had one set of lights and we were going to put 50 on each yellow tombstone because there's 100 lights in each strand. And we ordered three more sets mm. on Amazon to be delivered Saturday. This is like Friday night. I'm at home going, oh, my God, we're leaving in the morning. And they didn't show up until middle of the day on Sunday. Okay. Meanwhile, fortunately, we have a CNC and it can cut those holes. What we didn't deal with, we forgot to uh, plan for offsets. So we measured the light bulb and it's 18 and a half millimeters. So the CNC being a CNC cut an 18 and a half millimeter hole that then needed to be filed out so we could get the bulb through. So each one had to be filed, the bulb stuck through. Well, then now you have a hole that's too big for the bulb. And that's where 3D printing came in. And I made those little plugs that you Mm -hmm. would then clip over the bottom, the base of the bulb and then pull it back into the hole and it would snap back in the hole. And those worked out really well. Yeah. Um, We painted it really slick. We printed them in black and then spray painted them gold like okay, metallic gold match. that yeah. worked out perfect for us. I mean, that was just a happy accident because the reflection of the light against those gold made it look more of a yellowy as opposed to a flat white color. Um, so I would say Mike, everything was working pretty good on Sunday. We had right. one tombstone done, the lights were working and then we just ran out of time Sunday night. It was midnight and we went home with the plan that I would come back on Wednesday and we would finish the other tombstone and get a camera ready and do our footage and stuff like that. As we were doing the final assembly, both of the light strands failed. Uh-uh. Both of them. So at that point, we're literally having to back out 
200 light bulbs. Oh. And just coincidentally, we had two extra sets that we had ordered. If we had not ordered those sets, we would have been dead in the water. Wow. Mm, dang. Yeah. And we were able to get those things all fed back in and get them working. It was like, like I, I, I was nauseous at that point. Yeah. It was nine o'clock at night and we had no lights. Yeah. They look good. So we got, oh, cool. yeah, we got super lucky with that, but yeah, those were an off the shelf product. Let's talk about the final touches as well. Handles on the side, uh, the, the little red click, 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 click. And the knobs that come off to kind of catch the arrow. What was that construction like? What did y'all use for those? That that was interesting because we had to figure out how to support the arrow. That uh, yeah, and I'll let Scott talk about the uh, the, the sound from it. That, that's a whole different story. But we uh, we we cut the the arrow on the on the CNC, and so it had some angular pieces to it, and then used the domino to 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 make that basically right angle and then we were able to fasten it to one of the tombstones and then scott in the meantime was working on the the sound so i'll let him dive into that so the sound of the wheel is roughly this sounds really odd it's about 400 megahertz um and i had bought and purchased purchased um a sound card, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, you should do an Arduino or something like that. I didn't have time to learn how to program Arduinos. Um, so I was able to buy one of those sound cards like you would find in a greeting card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you could record a birthday message. So I had yeah. one of those and you can, again, these fan, these fan boards, you can download the sound of the wheel. So we had that and we're like, this is perfect. We just have to actuate this switch. The problem we had is, we all know that when that wheel is first rolled, that beep, beep, beep sound is super fast. Yeah. That card could not keep up with that cycle. It wanted to play the whole sound. It wanted to, and then it got to a point where it wasn't working at all. So we're like, oh crap. I mean, that literally was something that was happening on Saturday. So while Mike's welding the stand, I'm prototyping and trying to figure out how we're getting this sound. I had grabbed a couple of different things. Um, and what I was able to find is the PZOs from um, that you can buy. It's a PZO is just a fancy electronic speaker like they use in a smoke alarm, mm. which just happens to be about 400 megahertz. So we were able to, and if you look at the back of the red wheel or the red arrow right now, all of the electronics for that wheel are on the back of that arrow. It's a nine volt battery. It's um and it, it's a wire that goes to the PZO and then it goes out to the arrow through the spring. And there's a very small micro switch on the end of the triangle. So as that red peg comes down, it hits that micro switch. I would say 25% successful. <laughs> okay. Um, functional, but not where we think it needs to be. So Fortunately, this was a photo contest. <laughs> um, so if I was to say that that's something we still need to work on um, in doing additional research since then, um, I found out that the chime on the wheel is actually electro optical. Mm. If you're familiar with you've ever walked into a 7-Eleven sure. and the uh, door yeah. dings, 
So on the left side of the wheel is a black and white ring and the white sections are reflective. It's an electro-optical eye that looks at the side of the wheel and as the black oh. section goes by, it makes that beep noise. So there's no physical contact. So oh. that's, I'm in the, I'm actually, that's what I'm prototyping right now is to resolve that, that problem for us so that when the wheel gets put back together and becomes functional, we'll be able to have the sound with it because that's a huge part of that wheel. I mean, yeah, the look absolutely. is, is absolutely important to it, but the sound of that wheel is probably as important to it as the, uh, as the look. Well, I posted a reel of you guys' wheel, and I asked if you had a wheel, what would you do? So for this or that, I'm going to read you all the comments and just kind of get some you know, reaction from Mike and Scott on what do you think about these suggestions on things you could do with your Price is Right wheel. First one, uh, Bromley Woodworking said, I'd put my unfinished projects on there to choose which one to finish. You, know, you got a few projects you can put on the wheel, Scott? What do y'all think of that, about that comment? Uh, I would agree. That would be a good way to, you know, if it landed on something, say, okay, I'm going to work on this today. My my wheel would be full of uh, my wife's projects. <laughs> <laughs> Our Same. friend uh, Scott Jabor said, it would determine on a scale of 1 to 100 how many beers to consume. So I, I thought know, that was yeah. a pretty good one. That'd be a good drinking game. I like that one. <laughs> Nick from Creality said, that's a personal question. Uh, gift dog. So I actually used to work for this guy and he said, I would do performance evaluations like that. So you'd go into his office for your annual review. He'd flip the wheel. That would determine if you got a raise or got let go. And then uh, our friend Lindsay from Lindsay creative said, decide who wins any arguments with my family members. That's a pretty good one. I mean, if y'all hold on to the wheel, that wouldn't be a bad one. I could see you and Tyler trying to decide what was for dinner. And you go out and spin the wheel to see who wins. Right. It's a, it's a big magic eight ball. Yeah. I had one other question I had for this or that. Watching the construction, it kind of reminded me of like a hamster wheel, but it's so much bigger. So on a wheel that size, what animal do you think you could put in there and run around like a hamster wheel? The center of the wheel, there is a physical barrier at the halfway point. If that wasn't there. Sure. Um, I could say and a medium to large sized dog could easily run inside that thing. And Mike just happens to have one. That might be a good carnival attraction. That's true. My, my, my dog was not a, a fan of Scott. So that would have been a great, uh, great thing to wear him out. Well, welcome to the club dog. Oh, <laughs> I also wanted to ask you guys had this out on display. I'm sure a lot of neighbors saw it. I mean, y'all talked about that. Did y'all let people come and spin the wheel? And did anybody hit the dollar? The pointer wasn't put on the wheel until 11 o'clock Wednesday night. So no one saw it with the pointer other than me, Mike, and Tyler. Um, but to say that people came and pulled the wheel, absolutely. Mike's neighbors, um, some family friends came by. People just, everybody grew up watching that wheel on TV and, you know, Every dude is like, oh, I've ripped that wheel if I ever got a chance. And, and we gave people a try. You know, they just had people, the, the amount of photos that were taken with that wheel are unbelievable. Well, I want to say to both of you, there's a reason we have you on here. And it's because y'all did an amazing job. You should be super proud 
of the product y'all put up, the attention to detail. You could have mailed it in on so many levels. I know this thing had to cost a bajillion dollars. I don't know if y'all have added the receipts and not even just from the wood. I mean, the layers when it comes to the the numbers, the vinyl, the all the different paint colors, y'all went above and beyond to do something hyper-realistic, the four rows of lights, um, all the mechanics to make sure that it turned smoothly and it wasn't weighted to land at a certain spot, the effort that went into it. Nobody would have known if you were standing off screen going, but you spent the time to try to work on that. And, you know, it's a really, really great project. I hope that y'all come up with a creative use for it. I could see people renting this out for parties. I could see people renting this from y'all for holiday parties, for birthday parties, things of that nature. You'd have to lug it back and forth. Um, I could also see y'all selling it to somebody that does, you know, party planning, things like that. So I hope you get your efforts back from it. I know Griffin mentioned an, an instructable, I think would be a great thing if you wanted to type this up. I know you're a YouTube format guy, but I, I think people would love to see. Uh, I did a very, very, very small wheel one time, and I know it was difficult. I can't imagine the planning and just work you guys did to pull this off. So congratulations from us. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. So normally we do a three tools question for everybody that comes on the podcast, but I just was going to ask you guys, if you had to pick the three most difficult obstacles that you had to tackle in this, what would be those three? The glue up? The scaling and the, because for me, it's like he had parts that I needed to put stuff on top of. Right. You know, and not having the physical item in front of me made challenges. Sure. Um, so working separately and time management, I think were probably one of our largest challenges. I think some of our competitors in the collaboration were fortunate enough. They were able to work together. They lived in the same areas. They were closely together. Yeah, we call them cheaters. Um, yeah. Mike and I, while as we live in the same region, we're about 60 miles apart. Oh, wow. And the last one would be uh, just maneuvering it and, and getting it to different different places. Yeah. What what was the trailer that you yeah? So it took a six by twelve U-Haul trailer to move it from his house to my house. Oh wow. And can you that imagine seeing that going enough. down the highway? Yeah. Oh my God. So I <laughs> I haven't told Mike this. I flew in from my Boston trip and went straight to U-Haul, rented a six by twelve trailer and drove over to Mike's house. Um, I think Mike was a little surprised that I was coming to pick up the wheel. His wife was absolutely thrilled that I was <laughs> taking thing out of their garage because it had been there for a couple of weeks at that point for him. Um, and I loaded it on the ferry on the way back to the island. And because I'm so long, I was 40 feet long. So they put me right in the center of the ferry and everybody around me is like walking up and they're like, is that what I think it is? Even the fairy lady, the lady at the toll booth, as I pulled up, she like wouldn't acknowledge that I was there. She was looking out the window and she just looks at me. She goes, is that the price is right wheel in your truck? I said, absolutely. <laughs> yes. You know, and then I have to go into the whole story about it. But uh, yeah, it's everywhere you take that thing. It's just people aren't prepared to see it. They really aren't. It's like one of those things you see on TV, but you never think you're going to see one in real life. Well, Mike and Scott, so glad to have you on. Mike, why don't you tell our listeners where they can follow, find you? Because you are criminally underfollowed. I am at uh, Woodwork and Weld on both 
Instagram, and TikTok. And Scott, for those of the uh, listeners that don't follow you, where can they find you? I am Dad at Yourself DIY. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and on YouTube. And Amazon reviews Ooh. near you. Yes. <laughs> Mike and Scott, thank you all so much. Again, great job. You should be really proud of the product you put out there. That was top notch for sure. Thank you. And thank you for having us on. It's been a pleasure. All right. We're going to take a minute to thank the folks over at Patreon for helping us out here. Uh, we got Marion Ward from Creative Ward Gallery, Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative, Justin from Bear Maked, Scott Orham from Dad It Yourself, Matthew from Artigino Sorio, Marcel Este, and Ozark Spirit. And then in our middle tier, we've got Tony Langer from Langerworks, Brendan McDonough from McDonough Design, Susan Demplantis from Hearth and Garden Art, Stephanie Taddeo, and Kyle with Footwork Woodworking. All right, so I know you guys are fans of games. Uh, what kind of maker game things have you guys ever done? My favorite game, like yard game, backyard game that people make, I always like the ladders game where you have the two golf balls on the oh. string and then you've got mm -hmm. like the PVC ladders. That kind of came to popularity when I was in college and you'd see it at tailgates. And I, I liked it because I was good at it. Like I just, right. I just <laughs> always really, really liked it. I had a good rotation where it would bounce right in front and flip on that bottom rung. I just always really, really like that game. That's one of my favorite outdoor yard makery games. Yeah, this past year I made the cornhole boards, mm. which I think is probably the most commonly yeah. made, um, you know, yard game for for makers. But um, but yeah, and and we used it when we had everybody over for Fourth of July last year, and. And it was kind of fun being a little, you know, creative on on the top of it um, as far as the design and stuff. But I'm sure, you know, since cornhole can now be like a professional sport or something like that, I have to assume my like, I don't know that I had the right angle necessarily on the height with my little legs and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, thankfully, I, I don't have like professional players degree of here. difficulty. Yeah. See, you should just be able to accommodate with whatever you're working with there. Right. Yeah. I think it's just, it's house rules. How, whatever. I mean, as long as they're both the same, fair. Doesn't matter. Well, they were pretty much the same. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, cornhole is like the main go to. I prefer playing beer pong. That was yeah. like my favorite go to. But I mean, beer pong. It, uh, I was never good at that. Oh, man. I was like money at beer pong after like three games. And then I just went to hell. <laughs> like yeah. it, it was just a, a very violent spiral that I would just get so much worse as the night went. Flip cup. But I was always decent. That was my drinking game was flip cup. Chrissy, what's your I drinking was, game? I, I didn't have one. I got married at 19 and I was pregnant with my first child at 21. You know, when okay, I we turned don't even 21. talk about what you were drinking. So, yeah, I was <laughs> saying, apparently drinking. So when I think about outdoor games or like maker games, one that I never would have the audacity to build, but Scott and Mike's project makes me think about, I see this in magazines or like at home stagings. It's a connect four for outside, but giant. Yes. You know, yes. Where it's like three foot wide or, you know, four foot tall, whatever. I always thought that's really, really cool. Um, the giant connect four. Cool. Here's the one I would want to make would be Plinko from also the Price is Right, because you can have that inside, yeah, outside, yeah, yeah. whatever. I mean, it wouldn't have to be like, you know, where you have to have like a, the staircase to get to the top. But I've seen that like it like um, 
baby showers or wedding showers and kind of, you know, like those kind of games where they would use that. And I think it'd be, I mean, I think it would be a, a relatively easy game to make. I've seen those made where you open a bottle. So there's a bottle opener at the top and then the bottle cap bounces down on the plank. Oh, that'd be cute. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. We, uh, one time we went to a party over my uncle Joe's house and he made like this backpack rig. It was kind of like a marionette. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, and it's like, it, it it's, a, you put a, this backpack on and then it has a, uh, an over, uh, o- over your head crane kind of arm. And then your hands are marionette controls with all these wires and it goes out to a, um, a square disc with a hole cut in it and you put a beer in it and then you have to move your hands without moving <laughs> your body and bring the, the rope up and then tilt it so you can drink the beer. And it's whoever, fin- it's two people at a time and whoever can drink the beer first wins. And it's extremely difficult because you're, every single movement of your hands controls all four directions that the cup can tip. That's why. You know, yeah. And uh, it's crazy how, like when you first start doing it, it's, it's very difficult. And then once you've got it, it right. takes like mm-hmm. one second for you to be able to flip the beer up to your mouth and do it. Like as soon as you figure it out, you'll dominate. If you're the first person to figure it out, you dominate everybody. So it's pretty interesting how quick your body and mind can adapt to moving things control it you know one thing i've seen them make uh like collaborative kind of things is the jenga um because didn't they do that at like yeah it like was it last year's maker central or something it was or one of those kind of get togethers and it was like bring your piece of whatever the game is yeah that would be cool to do for like a wedding gift and you get all the guests to sign the different pieces Mm -hmm. that would be pretty neat so you know what else other game i like that's probably pretty easy to make i just never the one where you have the ring on the rope and you have to get it to go on the hook oh yeah i probably Mm -hmm. should do that i've got a patio back here and i love just mindless i'm definitely one of those people that is one more time one more time we can do it (laughs) one more time when i went home this weekend my nieces you know they're five and eight or three and five something like that um and we're playing a volleyball game and i'm like okay we need to hit it up to each other 20 times and we're doing it like four and it and that's it, you know, four. And they're like nailing it the wrong way. I'm like, we can do it. We can do it. Grunkle, that was seven. We can't get more than that. We can do it. We can do it. One more time. One more time. <laughs> no one's going to bed until we get up to 20. You know, one more time. Get back in place. Focus, focus, focus. And I, that's just how I am about stuff like that. You know, we can do it. We can do it. Uh, you know, crazy optimism about my abilities. That's why I married out of my class. Um, but how how many pop-ups did you guys go 12 and then you can't really tell an eight-year-old what to do after that (laughs) (laughs) so in my hand i know the audio listeners can't hear this is another project like if you're a maker that's good for kids it's a wiffle ball bat so it's a wooden baseball bat this one's actually made by marucci uh, but it's a wooden baseball bat but instead of being a full barrel it's only like an inch and a half all the way down so it barely tapers up from the hands and so it really stresses hand-eye coordination it's light enough that you can swing at a wiffle ball and it makes it really hard to do um so that's a pretty cool little gift you can make is you know wiffle ball bat for outdoor i know we're only seven months away from christmas but why not start now there you go what else? i wish people would start now yeah you're right <laughs> about that i actually told somebody the other day i was like i think i'm gonna take a three-day weekend coming up here 
whatever our next holiday is, I'm going to take, I think we've got one at the end of the month, right? Memorial Day. Memorial Day. I'm going to take the Friday also. And that's going to be like starting Christmas gifts right then. That's going to be my weekend. So what are you making us? Outdoor games. Everybody's getting outdoor games. <laughs> you guys are getting step bits turned into trees. <laughs> Perfect. At least yours are done. So Griffin, let, let's end on this. Griffin hasn't started his tree yet. He's got uh, two weeks by the time this episode comes out, I think. Something like that. It needs to be done. Oh, June 10th, right? So mm-hmm. like that. when this, I don't know how to make my calendar come out, but today's the 18th plus you know, 22. You got three weeks to finish. All right. So what kind of tree can Griffin make? Um, he already started it. Oh, it's 3D we yeah, while, while we were talking? on the podcast. All right. Well, that's pretty dumb, but at least he's doing something. <laughs> I have not started mine oh, yet. I know. But... And your insistence on doing one out of twine is why you won't finish. <laughs> well, we shall see. Because we, we were both at lunch know... the other day and I was messing with Kristen and this this other lady at lunch goes, oh, my God, you're doing reverse psychology on her. And I just, I just winked. I was like, well, we'll see. We'll see if it works. Yes, we we know how this works. You tell me I can't do it, which means I will do it. And that's how you still it's haven't okay. done it. So, so far I'm right. Either way, I win. <laughs> Not when it's all said and done, you won't. You can't win the chess set and this. I'm calling bullshit. Uh, last thing, how bullshit was it that Austin does his giveaway and I'm conveniently one spot away. That was the most rigged <laughs> shit. Let me tell you I something. Didn't even, I didn't even I, put I know my he name did in it. it. I probably won three times in a row and he had to redo it a bunch. I, 100% if you won, I was going to refilm it. Because <laughs> I am not getting called out. <laughs> That's why I didn't even it, put on or it. Or if my dad won it. Or I was <laughs> yeah. like, no way. Anybody yeah. I you know, oh, talk I to all done the a time. sleeper was, account. Louis yeah. the Great. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. It definitely... I was super concerned when somebody won it that, uh, you know, that I've never talked to before. I was pumped. I was yeah. like, thank God. <laughs> I didn't want to have to hear it. You know, the funny thing is, though, on giveaways, that's how we got Griff yeah. in our group. Because he won one of the giveaways that we did. The, the three ladies. The three three-way 2k giveaway that's yep. how he kind of fell into our group so i made a mistake we all won that's how he got his logo yeah yeah he designed a logo so i could make a stand huh. thank you so much for joining us today if you enjoyed this episode please give us a review and subscribe we'd love to hear feedback from you so reach out to us on instagram at making our way podcast you can find all of our latest individual content on instagram or youtube I'm at High Caliber Craftsman, Christy is at Twisted Twine Woodworking, and Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. Thanks again, friends. We also want to thank our folks over on the first tier of Patreon. We got Jacob from Griffin Makes, Jacob from Other Dog Design, Keith Drennan from Blackthorn Concepts, Eric from Overall Makerworks, Jeff Stein, a weird guy, Dave Bauer, Caitlin Landerno, Morley Kurt, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, The Grant Alexander, Jen Griffin, The Black Sheep, Brian from Moonshine Leatherworks, The Makeshift Podcast, Maritime Knife Supply, Just My DIY, Henry at HT1 Metalworks, Brad Harrison from Brad's Customs, Steve Delaney from One Old School Pirate, Kelsey Watson, Dan Gallagher from Goofballs by Dan, Chris Powell from Full Steam Design, and Spaghetti and Waffles. Thank you.